The two Jills, a psychologist and psychic intuitive, reveal mind-blowing insights that turn psychology, self-help, and conscious teachings on their heads. Why? Because they work. Real help, sincere growth is here. Welcome to Sight. Hi, Jill. Hey, Jill. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. It's good to see you. I feel like we're back. It's been we're a back. It's like it's yeah, been they, a while. Probably, our, our listeners and watchers don't even know, but we had a couple breaks there and we preloaded and now we're, now we're back together again. Now so. we're back. So, Jill, right. what are we talking about today? Um, so today, I've had a week. And today, and what's been in my orbit has been complaining. And whether people are complaining to me or I have an impulse to complain, I've started noticing the energy of complaining. And I thought it would be a good topic to talk about today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, I'm game. I, I will admit that I am pro-complaining if, it's, if it feels purposeful in terms of like it's aligned with a value system or or something like that. I can be super funny. I, I, Jill thinks she's funny is kind of a line I use sometimes. I think I'm funny sometimes when I'm complaining. So I like to, it's cathartic for me to make something that is, you know, really disappointing to me slash maddening to make it into a funny thing that not only makes other people laugh, but makes me laugh too. Um, at just some little wit and humor and isn't this ridiculous? Oh my God. Kind of Seinfeld ish. <laughs> and I think, look, I think complaining to a certain extent, like you're saying, can be used as a processing tool of something that just happened. And I call it off-gassing, right? Mm -hmm. So there is this valve sometimes that we just need to open and, and kind of let go. But the complaining that, and, and, and that usually there's, I think in that complaining, there's a self-awareness to it. But then there's True. this, other complaining where somebody has like a pile of garbage inside and they need to give you their garbage, right? So as a therapist, I was very clear with my clients and I still am. I, I am not a receptacle for your garbage. If you want to talk about something, maybe in a complaining way, that's fine. As long as there it's attached to me, uh, attached for me to something that gets you out of the space you're complaining about. Is right? there an end to it? I guess is the, the words I want to, is there an end to this or is this just a continuous loop of this, even the same complaint? I really make a lot of distance between myself and those individuals that are just constantly, um, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's not that I'm not compassionate. It's just that I don't think we're either one of us is going anywhere with this. And I, I, I hear you on that one. Yeah. And so it's, it is incumbent upon us to watch the energy of the other person when we're sharing something. It is not our right to just dump on someone. I am not a good dumpy, which sounds weird for a therapist, but I am not a good dumpy. I am a problem solver and a fixer and I move on. Right. So I don't belabor what happened. I'm like, we're here now and I move on. And I do think I'm a lot less compassionate <laughs> than you in that space. Right. Like, I don't have time even. 
to give an example of what happened to us yesterday. My husband drives like a maniac and I can't stand it. And so I tried for a long time to get in there and just say, you know what? You're going 89 miles an hour. This is not the safest car. Like we have little cars, you know, the wind blows them around. And he argued, you know, he just kind of fights back and he's like, Jill, I want to go where I'm going, you know, just whatever. So I sit there. So I've now started to just read while he drives because I can't look out the window. I'm white knuckling it the whole way. So I just read. Well, I'm reading. He's going 89 miles an hour and he gets pulled over and I'm reading. (laughs) I'm reading and I don't stop reading. I don't make a move. I don't change anything. And he starts to when the cop is finished or when the cop goes back to get his paperwork, my husband is trying to engage me in, I can't believe it. I don't know what happened. You know, he's just trying to complain about it. And to me, a lot of complaining is a shirking of responsibility. I can get mad at this person and I can complain about this person and then get agreement on my complaining. And then I don't have to change. He can continue to drive the way he's driving because somehow this ticket was not his fault. And that's the complaining that I really super can't tolerate. If you're processing and I see progress and almost you're complaining, but I see you asking yourselves questions while you're complaining, I'm in. I'm in because I got something to hook into. But if you're just dumping on me and you really don't want me to say anything, I am not a receptacle for that like negative energy. Can't do it. No, I totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think I would have been the same way. I, I don't, I think I'd have to drive myself. I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. So your patience is very, is very um, laudable. I love it. It's actually cool. And I took, yeah. So I'm right next to you on that. Oh yeah. That would drive me crazy. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stop myself from saying, are you actually trying to make this the cop's fault when you are you clearly broke the law you clearly deserve a ticket and that's all I that's all I'm seeing here babe and it's interesting because my I wasn't being passive aggressive I didn't change my attitude I didn't say I told you so I didn't go into anything and the beauty of me not being a receptacle for his complaining was that he got there on his own he's like I was trying to make that guy the bad guy but he was very nice I was speeding ridiculously and I don't know why I do that. So there was, and then the next time we got into the car, he started to really approach the car in front of us, you know, like hurry up and wait kind of situation. And then he's like, why do I do that? So a self-awareness sort of started to grow out of, you know, and the seeds of change started to grow out of that. But had I engaged in any way and allowed that, complaining to like almost be like a co um, a co-conspirator in there or what what am I trying to say like a codependent person in that or an enabler to his complaining he wouldn't have gotten there he would have stayed in the stuck position or even the morality police or the therapist role of had you I I totally see what you're saying what you're saying here I I feel like what you're offering us is that for those of us that do try to be the the sound of you know the voice of reason in situations like that, your your lack of engagement allowed him to get to a place that he I, I would I would surmise was less likely to get to 
had you been a voice of reason in that situation. So your lack of engagement and just, you know, kind of listening, but letting it kind of go by you energetically and not taking it on, I would say had led to a better outcome for him. That's so cool. I agree. And frankly, had I said anything, his anger would have been targeted at me. That's what I'm saying. So even I think of it with anyone, even, you know, teenagers or any sort of um, avoiding responsibility, the more that, that the person tries to be, no, let me tell you, like lecturing, voice of reason type of temperament, let me pretend I'm your therapist right here, it actually can instigate that person then targeting that you're the problem and it may avoid the epiphanies and the self-awareness and the self-reflection that that you offered him by not engaging. So I think we're saying the same thing here. I think we you are. probably said it better than I did. I disagree. But so so then the question remains then, if you're the type of person, so when p- people complain to me, I get mad and I fix. But if you're the type of person that is listening to someone complain and still being compassionate, but still validating. Are you shutting off their their ability to have that self-awareness? And it's a question. I'm kind of a three, I mean, for me, and I, I think it is a great question. And I don't want to, I don't want to rush past that because that was really important. For individuals, and this is this is a process I use that some individuals may want to try out, it's almost like a three strikes rule. If I've been listening to the same kind of woes me, or life isn't fair, or I don't know what to do, I'm so stuck, and it's the same, the same um, situation, the same, the same struggle, three times. At the fourth time, I'm like, um, I wish you well with that. Sorry, that's happening. And then I change the topic. Or I, you know, the email's over, or I end the end the phone call, or whatever, and then I just kind of make more distance between myself and that person. I don't call them to follow up how it's going the next day. This is I'm leaving the ball in their court in a way, and hoping, obviously, that they will have some epiphany or self reflection, or that they'll utilize somebody else to complain to. Because I have, I do have a, you and I are so similar, Joan. I think that's why this podcast does work. We're very. Um, growth oriented and yeah. results oriented and anything that that is obvious and three times is a lot right it's enough that is kind of a lot okay, I don't do that <laughs> I think you I think you're you're so sweet I think you're kind of there now sometimes I rush them to third base quickly in, in the way of just like okay I I have a feeling you've told the story three times possibly today so you count my three strikes and you're off <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not not wishing them well I'm just loving myself enough to not want to be investing my time and energy into something I'm pretty sure isn't going anywhere. And they don't, they could complain to anybody. And that kind of feels like all they're doing. They don't want answers. They just want to complain. And I, I don't have a, I don't have an interest in that. They want to complain. Yes. But they also want to continue doing exactly what they're doing. Complaining is a reason not to change. That's the in part. most instances. That's okay. I want right. to get defensive. I'm not talking about, that, about the processing. You. You go ahead. Yeah, the, the, no, the processing one where it's just you kind of talking to you, but maybe there's another person there that doesn't have the same energetic tenor. And people know the difference. You know, people yes. know the people who are 
working through something and complaining versus like, I get to shut down because everybody else is the problem. You know the difference between those two. So you were saying that the when you said complaining right there, you were talking about the type of complaining that isn't going anywhere. It's not growth. It's not processing something. It's just another, you know, abdication of uh, responsibility. If that's correct, the right word and it's and so yeah. I I think it's incumbent upon people because complaining is a protected right. It is, for better or worse, we feel we feel like complaining is is a, is a valid thing to do. Um, So I think what I'm saying is for the people who go into a conversation with complaining, when they meet new people and they start complaining, it's like, watch your complaining radar. Watch how much you're complaining. Look at other people's complaining radar Um, and, and start to ask yourself, am I trying, am I using complaining? as a way to stay exactly where I am. Like my husband, am I using complaining so that I don't have to change my ridiculous driving, right? Am I using it as an excuse to stay put? And I think a lot of people may not have put that together, that that's what complaining does, but a lot of stuck people are complainers. I totally agree. There's a definite correlation there. And the reason is because complaining does something to your brain, right? That makes you outside focused, but it also, what we don't realize, it almost feels powerful to complain. There's some sort of a false, when we're in judgment of something, there's a false sense of power, which I call the egoic high, right? And, and we take that as some form of a strength or even pro- productivity, almost a false sense of like a delusion, as you like to call it, of productivity. And we don't realize that when we're doing that, we are actually undermining ourselves, undermining our sovereignty, undermining our desire even and ability to change. Complaining is far more insidious than pissing off your friends. It really has a personal price that we pay. There is this consumption of energy when we are complaining, especially if it's the type of complaining that doesn't lead to productive action or productive outcomes. It is a consumption of energy. And it may be useful for people to really consider if if they are complainers or if they're using their energy to listen to regular complainers, how much of your energy are you utilizing? And if you do feel a low battery light on yourself, that you're really more cognizant of how you are using and operating yourself if you are the complainer or how much you are of yourself you're utilizing to, to put up with slash make space for somebody else is complaining because it just feels like a feels like a lose lose I completely and, agree I mean and you said something you added something really important earlier too that for individuals that are that are the complainer it would be ideal that they were more aware of whom they are complaining to is this somebody that can handle it um, I think of adults that complain to their 
elderly parents, right? And it's like they're that's a he- we're putting a heavy toll on people in a really insensitive, unloving sort of way, right? Um, it's hard for some for some people, no matter what age, to hear another's burdens and not take it on as their own. And I wish there was more awareness of that because um, it really takes a toll on a lot of people, especially for the sensitives, right? And that's why. Um, and I say sensitives as a strength. I think it's like a superpower, um, but it can it can be grating if you have a lot of. And the weird thing is, sensitives do attract complainers, right? Ooh. They really. Oh, do. can you talk more about that? That's a big one. Do. Yeah. And what's going on in the brain of the receiver of complaining? What is? What do you think is going on there? I actually think sensitives. Um, and I'm I'm a sensitive, but I'm not in. Um, what would I call like a a compassionate sensitive, right? I'm sensitive to people's energies. That doesn't make me actually like compassionate. Um, and, and so I do feel like when somebody is, well, let, let me back that up a second and, and talk about the compassion, because I think, I think it's important. I, I often feel that when people are complaining and I say, I don't do complaining. They, they actually complain about my, my inability or failure to do complaining, right? They actually turn it on me. And that's what complainers do, right? If you don't listen to a complainer, you are dubbed insensitive or uncaring or, right? So it's another way that the complainer kind of hijacks your energy and the whole situation because sensitives, and I'm getting back to the original thing, we don't want to be seen as uncompassionate or non-empathic or, you know, that's, that's a, that's our kind of kryptonite for somebody to say that. And so we do in a weird way, attract these people because we we feel like we're supposed to be able to, because that's what a good person would do. That's what a compassionate person would do. And so we get ourselves in situations that we feel we should be in and be able to handle. And we take on way too much of other people's complaining energy. And then to your point, we could really take it on. We can then start rooming about ruminating about what they dumped on us and they could be done and we could have taken over sort of that energetic wave. And then how do we disseminate that to someone else? Waves don't stop. They're, they keep going. Energy keeps going. So I don't know if I got all the pieces in there. I feel like that was a convoluted answer. Did I address? Hey, I, I heard you. Um, I, there, I'll add another set of words to what you were talking about in terms of the receiver of somebody else's complaints. And yeah. I like the analogy of the wave it's, and you used the metaphor earlier about um, like the dumping on um, the person. And this makes total sense. What you're describing that the, com- those who complain enjoy someone that is sensitive and that is an, and or compassionate because they, they know we're going to take it. Right. So some, we don't have to play that role though. And that's what I'd like to talk about in, in more detail too. But when somebody dumps on you, sometimes they're done with it. They're done because they dumped it on you. And sometimes we're not as either, both players may not be as aware 
aware that that's what's going on. Part of the brain in the complainer is I got to get this out of me today. I may be here again in two hours and I'll find another person or maybe the same person to dump it on then, but it's ruminating in here. I got to get it out and set it to the side so I can move on to something else. So I can feel better. Yes, totally. Because they got it. They got it out. It does feel like, okay, I feel better because I dumped it on someone else energetically. It is like putting out the trash. So the person that received it is then sitting there with the trash. And then what do they what do they do with it? And there's a lot of therapists and healers and empaths that they just sit there with it because it's not their nature to want to dump on someone else. So over time, they get this energetic like landfill of just ick that they don't know what to do with. They're not sure how they got it anyway, and they don't want to burden anyone else. So they just sit with it. And that's where some people get into processes of, you know, daily clearing and energetic healing. And, and I'm not dissing those things, whatever works for someone to feel better. Um, I started to, as a, as a healer in my own way, um, install boundaries. And this is the part where it's kind of makes me anxious to talk about it. But those that are regular complainers, you have, or complainees, the receiver of another person's complaints, we have choices. There are boundaries. I mean, Jill, your strategy with, you know, I'm just going to read a book. Even during the highlight of what, if you believe in karma, of karmic, karmic experience of him getting pulled over and a ticket, right? And you're still just like not, not engaging, creating your own experience amidst something really dramatic and maybe even traumatic going on. You stayed totally chill, completely in your lane. And that is that was a bare, beautiful conscious choice. You're not taking anything away from him, right? You're just saying, hey, I'm choosing to do this because I don't like what's going on here. So I'm just going to create my own experience. What a beautiful boundary. There was nothing passive aggressive about it. It was you do you and I'll be me, which I'm such a big fan of. Um, I encourage people that are regularly the receiver of complaints to kind of reevaluate and be creative, right? Get really feel like an improv actor um, experimenting with different ways of, of engaging with that or not engaging with it. And my favorite lines, I think we talked about it in another episode are when somebody's complaining, um, oh my gosh, that's so sad. What are you going to do about that? Right. I love that one. And then the other one is, oh, that's, oh, that's too bad. And period. That's it. No, no advice. No, nothing else because the complainer wants more engagement in order to let it out onto you. Jill, do you agree with that? I do. It's the misery loves company um, kind of thing, but it doesn't love company. It loves transference. <laughs> it loves the transference of, of energy from me to you. It's, it's almost like abusive. And a lot of times I do feel abused by complaining. I really, because I'm, I'm a sensitive, I just feel like it, I feel it, you know, it just, and when I was sitting, you know, in the car with my husband, it's almost like, and you've talked about it a lot, you know, kind of having this like orb around you, it felt like it was very clear to me. There was no energy exchange. I rarely, rarely feel that in my life where there's no energy exchange. And when you feel it, you know it. So boundaries, when people are doing boundaries, you want to be very clear that your energy is clean, that you're not 
complaining in your mind, like, why is this complaining that the person's complaining to you or or judging the person? This person always complains. Your orb is not going to be clean and you're still, you already got the ick on you just by the nature that that was coming at you. It's almost like it got in before you could close it out. So the only reason that I was actually able to do what I did was because I started out that way. And then the ticket happened, right? So I was already in this kind of insulated energy and it stayed. So it's almost like start your day insulated, wake up and insulate yourself in whatever whatever you have to do in your mind to be like, I'm going to be okay. And, and preordain, if somebody complains at me, like have a plan so that you're it doesn't get in first. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm scrambling to put out my awning. You know, it's too late. It's raining. So it's almost like this needs a plan so that you could, because complaining is such a habit and our reaction to it at this point, no matter who it's coming from is a habit as well. It's a very, we're, we're very reactive, even though we don't want to be. So you almost have to preset. I wonder if given what you just said that, I mean, complainers tend to complain. Um, and complainers may attract other complainers. I'm imagining that somebody could listen to this conversation and contemplate that their entire relationship with a certain person in their life, the majority of the conversations are about complaining. I think you're hundred percent right. I was a complainer, huge, but I was, I thought complaining was a way to make a connection. I talk about my shit, you talk about your shit. And I always felt that that made me very open, weirdly, you know, because I would always say, I'll talk about anything. And I do. But it was coming out in ways that I was trying to find commiseration. And that's the way I was trying to meet people and connect through commisery. I don't know where I learned that. I don't know how that got in there as a, a a way to meet people. It wasn't very successful, um, but I didn't know another way. I didn't understand what was happening. I think I just was bathed in complaining. I don't I don't really know. I was a huge complainer. I complained about school. I complained about everything. It really got me nowhere, but it it put me in a big habit of doing it, and I didn't really have a way out. So I at one point. I can remember, you know, I I had a friend and she was coming to me with the same issue over and over and over again for like a year. And I was like, God, I can't, I can't do this. I don't, I don't want to do this. I used to want people to complain to me because again, that, that meant connection. But at a certain point, I guess my cup runneth over and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to solve problems. And, and I guess that's why I'm so, you know, like I don't do complaining. <laughs> like I cut it off hard. <laughs> this is like a, this is like a non-smoker is the biggest yes. anti-smoking, you know, kind of person. Yeah. I'll never smoke again. You shouldn't smoke, you know, so, you know, yeah. I really love this. And it's an example of how our, our flavor preferences in a way, our taste preferences can change. And all it's almost it may feel like all of a sudden, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I don't want to be that anymore. 
I think that's, it may be a scary, unsettling time for someone, but I think it's thrilling because it's like, oh my God, this is a huge shift happening within me. And friends can change, right? Friendships can change. It's possible that both individuals realize, yeah, let's, let's experiment with this together. Let's next time we get together, let's have, let's set a timer. Five minutes, we'll complain. And then we'll kind of monitor ourselves and monitor each other to talk about things that are going well in our life. Because the, the beauty of complaining is that everybody could find something to complain about. It's a very, it's a low bar, low bar. in terms of conversation. And it, it is an easier place. I in terms of, in terms of, of ease, I think it is easier to find something to complain about. With a total stranger, you can find something that you both want to can and will complain about. It's harder. It's a higher bar to have the conversation be things that are going well or things that make you hopeful. Um, and I know to some people that are in the complaining mode, because that can, yeah, I was just thinking about this. The people that I know that are sometimes the most, I would say, intellectual are often in my world some of the same ones that are the most likely to complain. Not always, because actually, you know, I'm going to take that back because I think complaining is all, all levels of education, all levels of economic strata. It can be anybody. But the focus on the complaining, it doesn't go anywhere. And that's the biggest part. I don't think it sounds useful. I don't, I don't think that being hopeful has to sound naive or unaware or uneducated. But to to somebody that's a typical complainer, they probably detest uh, the whole like, oh, I'm going to be awesomeness. That sounds so stupid. It sounds so naive. You know, I don't want to sound like that. When I sound like I'm complaining, I sound like I'm aware and savvy and I know what's going on in the world. And okay, fine. But if that isn't fun for you anymore, and it might just stop being, stop being interesting, stop being enjoyable, it it ends up being worth it. I think you're right. I think, you know, that it's the complaining kind of breeds complaining, right? So you look for things to complain about. Your brain is trained on what's wrong, looking for what's wrong. And of course, you'll always find it. So then there's more to complain about, right? So it is a little bit of a, you know, the gutter ball in, you know, you're not getting out of there. It really does create it, it does require an active shift what you're talking about to decide and that's why i went cold turkey on it because it's too seductive the energy of complaining breeds energy of complaining whether you find people who are complainers as well um you know oddly i think people who are complainers don't actually like other complainers because they're not listeners. They're not good receptacles. They just let you finish whatever you're saying so that they could one up you or so that they they're waiting for their turn to complain. So they're not actually a very good match. Complainers don't like each other um, because it's not a good point. It doesn't it's not satisfying. It doesn't go in in a weird way. A complainer is like Teflon. So they're batting it at each other and it's a zero sum game. So that's why they're looking for someone who's open, who's a sensitive, someone who's going to say, oh, poor you. 
um, which is again, why I don't say it. Um, because I, I don't want to let the, I'm, I'm trying to disrupt the tract. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be disruptive to what I see their brain doing. That's my whole life is trying to disrupt other people's patterned brain. And yeah, and they, you know, it, people feel like I should change to be able to listen to that. I should change. Why isn't the complainer the one that should change? It's so interesting to me. That's just another one of those abdicating, protect the complainer, not the person that they're, you know, sort of abusing with the complaining. It's so interesting. But I'm the one who's supposed to change because I don't know how to accept complaining properly. It's weird. It's super weird. And it does speak to the intensity of the, the brain of the complainer. It's like, no, it is kind of like the energetically grabbing you to the shoulders. No, I need you to hear me complain that somebody that is now with new boundaries saying, actually, I don't, you know, I'm not going to make myself available for this conversation again. The complainer may get more intense in terms of, no, you need to, you need to know. And part of me just wants to remove their hands from my shoulders energetically and go, actually, I'm good. I know you think I need to know what you're complaining about today, but actually I don't. And I have a choice in this. Yeah. And that that may set the complainer off I'm okay with that. Yeah. Look, and even in my family, you know, it, it, I don't, when my kids complain, I actually always listen, but I'm like, okay, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. And my daughter said to me the other day, which was super interesting. Um, she said, I realized mom, when I talk to people, I give them like the best presentation and the best logic and the best, you know, I, I, I give it, they don't need to do anything. They just need to receive. And she said, I realize that I have to turn on their brain, not give them the platter because they're not engaged. And it's, it's almost like, you know, if you had a hobby, it's almost like buying the hobby ready-made. There's no, there's no engagement in that, right? You have to find your way and figure out how to do things and make mistakes along the way and ask questions. And so she's learned that she has to just sort of back up and, but the difference is, you know, that some people, and you and I talked about this, some people are ready for change and they're open, right? They're early adopters. So the early adopter, if you gave them a platter, they wouldn't reject it. They would be like, I see exactly what you're doing and I'm on and we go. But yeah. most people are not early adopters to change. They don't want change at all. So giving them the way to do it is, is actually counterproductive and it puts them back in like their, their space. So I think, you know, if people understand that complaining is a hindrance, and I'm talking about the people who don't want change, if people start to understand that complaining is not powerful or self-righteous or any of those things that feel so egoically heady, 
that it's actually standing in, in your way of the change that is afoot. It's almost like the harbinger of change for you, but you have to turn that switch on. That's their, that's their requirement to turn that switch on. So I don't know if that makes sense. Um, well, there's two big things there. Let's talk about your daughter in just a second. But the part about, it's almost like a part of me, because I keep wanting to make it into an action step. If somebody were a professional complainer in your life, it seems, given what you were just saying, like there's probably an appropriate response of, let, you know, get back to me when we, when you have a solution. Get back to me when you're, when you're experimenting with an actual problem solver. Because I kind of am not interested about what's going wrong, but I'm very interested in what you think we should do about it. Or maybe even more interestingly, what you are doing about it. Because <laughs> it might be calling them out on their bluff. Because the brain of a complainer might be pretending that complaining is solving. Perfect. Yes. And that's interesting because my husband can hear when my kids are complaining about a teacher that they have to have all year. You know, like, ah! um, my husband can hear it, but he's not a sensitive. So it doesn't go in. He has the cone that I had in the car, like ready-made. He doesn't brew about it. They tell him a problem and he's like, oh, that teacher is a jerk. And, and he moves on. So I would tell my kids, if you need to complain about something and you don't want to solve that problem and you just want to vent, he's your man. Yeah. But when he, I, mean, I say, you come to me when you want to solve a problem. But my husband says to me, Jill, I should be able to vent to you. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. And so. Without taking it on energetically. I can't. I can't. Oh, good that you. Yeah. And I'm that way too. Um, and I've created the version that can be the bubble. And, and I think we had conversations before about how my kids when they were little, as I was so, I was so impressed by them in this moment. They said, you know, when they get in the car after picking up, picking them up from school, they'd say, I, I need to tell you something. And it ended up being a complaint about something that happened at school. And I just need you to listen, mom. And they started doing that when they were little. And I didn't have the, the, the part that we're talking about in terms of, um, it's hard when somebody's like in fifth grade or a teenager saying, I'm actually not the best person. Cause when you tell me this, I'm not going to be able to get rid of it. I'm not going to be let, have a let it bounce off. So let's, you know, let's find your dad or something. But anyway, so, but they were, I, I appreciated their sovereignty in that moment, knowing that they weren't interested in my, well, what about this? Or did you try this or try, you know, try that the solving problem of, they just wanted somebody to listen. And that is a, in my view, and in my experience, and the, with these specific instances, that's to me a useful and maybe even productive form of complaining, because they're not doing it to energetically dump on anyone. They're not doing it to um, to hand over responsibility. They're doing it because they need in a healthy way to get it out so that they can move on in their day. And that to me is a, is a productive form of complaining. That's, and I, I need to do this. I had something happened yesterday that I, I got through well, but I had so many complaints about how it was done. And my husband is so great. And he knows that I'm going to make him laugh while I complain. I'm going to make him funny. And then I'll go, okay, good. Oh, yeah, I got through it. You know what I mean? I'll get to the good part. But I, 
I need to, I need to have a space for kind of putting words to the part of me that is disappointed, upset, disillusioned, you know, whatever that is. I, I enjoy the process of putting words to that uh, and just kind of getting it out, not on him though. It's just getting it out. So it's, it's out of me and not on someone else. Um, I, I, when I vent and complain, cause I, I'm, I'm not an anti-complainer, um, but when I, I do it, I hope it's not to make anyone else take it on for me. And I feel like that's an important distinction of what you and I are talking about, Jill. And I don't think you're a complainer. I, when I've, all the times that I've been with you and we've hung out, you're not a complainer. And I love that about you. Um, so there's that part. If you are a complainer, just watch for how are you doing it and for what reason are you doing it? Are you are you passing off your trash on someone else or are you just kind of tidying up some some energy that needs some bows on it or you know to be contained somewhere so it can but not on someone else? That's part one. And then part two, if you're the type of person that does not take on someone else's complaining without it having a negative effect on you that is there someone else in your household, like you were describing Jill, you know, having the kids like, okay, go complain to him because he's not gonna be thinking about this at 2 a.m. and I will, right? Um, I am like that. I am the type of person that if somebody complains to me, it there is a part of me that's just like, oh, I'm supposed to be sitting here with this person's problem. That makes my work really hard, by the way. Um, so there are clients that, you know, again, it's not uh, three strikes and you're out, sounds so harsh, but. If I've noticed that they're, and I want their the therapists and other people that are like professional, they get paid to listen, you know, and to help and advise to really hear this, you still have permission, right? You can fire a client. And it's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's that you're deciding you are not the right tool for their, their issue. And there are other tools that they can find, and it doesn't have to be you. If you feel like this is energetically detrimental to you and isn't helping them. And to me, that's three times and I've already given them everything I have on those issues. And we're still talking about exactly the same things after three times or even two times. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I've decided I'm not your person. And again, I'm just trying to really support people having boundaries, having self-love, having self-awareness of what they're good at and what they're not good at because we all have our strengths and we all have our areas that look, I'm not the right person for you. If you just want me to go, you know, repeat answers or just pretend I can't do anything about this, or more importantly, just pretend that they can't do anything about it. That will drive me crazy. 100%. If someone is like, yeah, I've got this problem. I've got that problem. I got this problem. And I'm like, okay, if this were me, I would be doing this and I would be doing that. And I would be doing that. And I have a high a high confidence level that it would fix this problem. And if you're not I, willing to do that, I don't know what to do with you. I actually think the the reason why they don't want the fixer is because the problem isn't what it appears to be. So I think a lot mm -hmm. of complainers who are serial complainers are lonely. So the issue really is loneliness. They use complaining to make to commiserate to make that connection, right? And they kind of don't realize that once that connection is formed, it can't just be based on the commiserate, right? It has to then uplift, elevate, change something. 
or, or else the complaining does the exact opposite of what you actually desire, which is connection, right? I think that the underlying, what underlies, and we probably should have led with this, but what underlies complaining is connection. If we've had a bad experience and we've felt alienated or we felt disrespected or we, you know, just whatever, just had a bad experience, what do we want? We want connection. So why is complaining the way we do that, right? Like we want to feel better, yes, but complaining may just not be the root. And that's why I'm thinking, is there is there a better way? Why, why use this or overuse this as a tool? I do think it keeps us from understanding what we really need, what we really want, or like we said earlier, changing, you know, a part of ourselves that probably is just, you know, past its due date. So that's why I still think it's a deflection. It's a deflection of emotion. It's a deflection of of, of sitting with ourselves and listening to it. It's there's an element of self-soothing that's not there. There are just a whole lot of things. If you've gone through that litany, the you know, that list that I just offered, and then like you, you're like, you know what? I had a shitty teacher and I took a test and I didn't like him and the program sucked, you know, and I'm gonna tell my husband and I'm gonna do a dance and I'm gonna be good. That's a healthy relationship with complaining. But I would offer that. Don't just assume you have a healthy relationship with complaining. Go in there, see what it is, see what it really is. Because a lot of times, and I've told this story before, you know, about the guy in the, um, you know, in the uh, food bank that I worked at, he was complaining and he kept complaining. And in the end, it wasn't about what he was talking about. So complaining is, is, is a, um, it's like a smoke and mirrors game you know, that we're playing ourselves. I also feel like there's a correlation between level of busyness in someone's life, level of usefulness, even maybe more than just being busy, feeling useful and complaining. And if this might be related to how somebody's using their energy, the busiest people I know that are very like, okay, I get, I'm getting this done and I'm getting that done, or I have this job and I give it my all. They don't have time to complain. It's not that they don't have any complaints. They're too busy in their lives. They're too productive on in their lives to spend a lot of time complaining, maybe a little bit of time complaining, but that does make me, the people that I know that are the biggest complainers, they don't have a lot going on in their lives. They don't have a lot of things that they done and do. And I don't know which is the chicken and which is the egg there, but somebody that feels like they, that they can't um, get out of complaining, they may want to experiment with, what do I want to get done today? Because that may actually take some of the time and energy away from the part of them that is busy complaining. That's just a theory. No, that I that part I agree with, but I do think that I know some very busy people and they complain about being busy. Okay, that's fair. Right. Yeah, there are some you know, you that, ask them yeah. how you're doing and they're like, oh my God, I'm so busy. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my God, I can't. Right. So maybe they're not busy enough. Maybe they're not busy <laughs> maybe. enough. They <laughs> well, still, my kids they used to complain. complain. 
when my kids used to complain that they that they couldn't get their chores done, I gave them more. Did it work? <laughs> because they weren't busy enough. Because they had time to complain. Must have time to complain. So you know, this has been on my radar for a long time, but you know, even in my life, right? It's complaining is so insidious because you know, my husband before COVID would get home from work and I'd be like, "How you doing?" And he's like, "I'm tired." Every day, and finally, I'm like. That is a conversation like nail in the coffin, right? Like I, we've stopped using the word tired. We're not allowed to say it anymore because it's just a habit. And for me, when I ask him, how's your day? It's deflating for me to be like, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, get the, get out of here. So we've taken it out of our vocabulary. We're not allowed to say that. And then it's interesting what comes up when you take out the complaint. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it that you're that the approach worked. Okay, we're not allowed to say tired anymore. And I could totally imagine you saying that. And another approach, <laughs> just a different approach, not a better approach, is if I were, I mean, because I have this with one of my kids, she does the same thing. How are you? And I can't stop myself from saying, how are you? But I'm trying to monitor my own words and tell me about your day. And that's a less that's a less of a welcome at for the answer of tired, because that is really what I want to know. I guess I want to know how she's doing, but I want to hear about her day. I want to hear about her in her day. Yeah. No, I mean, of course, it was just. Like, <laughs> I'm not judging you, know, you. I love that you did it. it. We're not it's saying just, you're tired anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it, it's just it's insidious, right? Yes, so it is. You may not you may not realize the things <laughs> that are complaints like we wouldn't have seen that as a complaint, but energetically be aware, you know, that's that, this is basically the energy of complaining, right? Um, and kind of going, going a little deeper and so good. even asking the question, why do I care? And if I don't care, why am I sharing it with someone else? Why would <laughs> they care? <laughs> right? Like oh my God, not yeah. only sharing stuff that's, shouldn't be shared it, it may be just boring which is another alienating factor for people who are trying to bring people into their orbit you know instead right. you're them away this is a really this is a very good point if somebody is lonely and they feel like they're not getting invited to things or they know that some group is getting together and they weren't invited and they're wondering why that would be a really good thing to think about is when you, if you had been invited and they asked you how you were doing, would you be talking about something that is basically complaining or would you be talking about things that you're hopeful about in life and they're, that are energizing you in a positive way, a productive way? What, what good thing are you up to now? Right. If, I mean, normally when somebody says, how are you? I say, I'm good. I don't say I'm tired. And that doesn't make me better than anyone else. But I think that may speak to, are you the type of person that given the opportunity, you will say something negative to shut down anything else going on? Or are you the person that that gives a, a nice little ball to kind of keep the keep the exchange going? Um, again, I'm not trying to make good or bad out of this, just awareness, just awareness. But I, being a complainer is slippery slope for all the reasons that we've been talking about, Jill. And I think there are some people that they tended to be optimistic. They tend to be the one that that has a, you know, engaging, uplifting, inspiring, even conversation with people. But 
something happened and they just got stuck in the complaining mode and they kept gravitating towards elements of, of misery and the doldrums and it became their personality. If you were positive and now you're negative, you can change that. If you were have always been negative and want to try being a naive, a naive positive person, try it out. You may like it better than you think you will. And that's why I I am so much happier not complaining and not looking for things to complain about. Mm. You know, that was really, you don't realize that you do that but you do. And I, I am so much happier now. And that's why it's really off my menu. I, I really, I rarely do it. I had guys the other day who were putting together a, um, they were bringing in stone for a project that I was doing and they, they fucked it up. The stone, it was terrible. I got, I don't even know what to say. It was so bad. And I was telling them everything that was wrong with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I forgot that there were humans attached, you know, to this project. And I was, after the initial, you know, assault on these guys for not knowing how to do their job, I calmed down and I said, I'm sorry, you had to watch my process. I said, I am fine now. And, and the guy said to me, he, he looked at me and he just said, I really just want you to be happy. Right. And he just melted. It was like a melt moment of like, there's a human being on the other side of this. Treat them well, treat them with respect. Complaining is not that. Right. And when he just said that to me, I was like, you know what? I know I wasted two hours of your time. I apologize for that. Let's put the stone on. It's completely miscut. One counter is deeper than, like, it's terrible. But I actually, I don't care. It's almost like complaining makes you care more than you care. It's, it's, it's a broken, and like you said, it's a slippery, slippery slope. It gets you, it, it, it gets you deep in places you probably don't want to be. I, I would say, in, I'm going to say in 90% of cases, I think complaining takes us to a bad place and other. No, I agree. I, and I've been in those situations too. Was it the template for like stone countertops? I'm so sorry. I have, I have a countertop that, oh, sorry, my hair got weird. Um, I have one countertop that goes, so it extends a little bit. So it's kind of at level with the, the end of the handles on the drawers underneath. And then there's another countertop in my same kitchen that doesn't have that, that same edge. And I'm just like, and I just remember going and yeah, I was like, well, how can we make this right? And he was like, well, I could pull it out a little bit. Where's your tile going to hit? So we tried to make it best, but it isn't right. It isn't right. So I, I could, I, I feel, yeah. Um, Going back to your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. You let it go. Yeah. I let it go. And I think that's the other piece of this, because we were saying earlier, you know, that complaining like kind of helps you um, vent. I don't think so. I think if I if I held the complaint and the negativity, even though I said go ahead with it, I would have seen that every day. I just would see that 
mistake. And again, that's what I'm talking about. You look for what's wrong, right? Because frankly, it's justified in a lot of cases. I'm still, even when it's justified, I would say, get rid of it, right? Because it just takes your brain in a direction that is not good for you to walk into your kitchen every day and focus on that flaw. That's fucked up. I know. No, I, I'm able to now because that guy just kind of melted me and I did the work of like, why do I care? There was a change that took place in me before I would be like, I'm not going to be okay if that's not right, because that's all I'm going to see. And then I'm just going to, I'm saying, no, 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 that's not the way I choose to do this. I choose not to basically every day in my head, see the flaw and complain, even in my head. There's two things here. Yeah, go ahead. There's two things here I feel um, maybe can be kind of uh, solidified. As you and I are talking about being more aware of how we receive complaining or how we are a complainer, we're not asking anyone to pretend there's not something wrong. That is not what we're doing. And I just want to really kind of emphasize that for somebody that that is, if I'm saying you need to let it go, and there's a part of them that says, I can't let it go. Maybe that's the wrong word for them then. And maybe it isn't about letting, because letting it go doesn't mean pretending there's not something wrong. No, it I always make it right. You did. And it's, it's a cool. Shift. And yeah, it's a shift so, in perception. That's right. So the words that I want to put to that shift of perception is We're not asking anyone to pretend there's not something wrong. We're asking you to experiment for your own well-being and the win-win of everybody. How okay can you make yourself with something not being right? Because if you, if not you, Jill, but if someone, if I only give my attention to what didn't go perfectly with my remodel or with the world or, you know, politics or whatever, I will make myself miserable and I love myself too much for that. So there is this, this weird thing that maybe somebody that's only a complainer can't see yet is that if if I'm not complaining, that means I'm pretending everything's okay. No, no, no. That's not what we've been talking about. We're asking you to make room and be creative about how you can decide to be a you that you like to be and want to be amidst things not being okay. And that to me was seeing someone else as a human. So beautiful, Joe. I was such a great example. On the stone. And that guy, he could have fought me and I would have fought him and I would have made him take it out and recut that whole thing. I start from scratch. Like this would have been, you know, but he reminded me that he was a human. And honestly, he saw me as a human. He, there's no way if he just saw me as a customer or a, you know, an invoice or a paycheck, whatever that was, he never would have said to me, I just want to make you happy. And it was genuine. And that's the beauty of it. There was the connection. Mm. There was no connection when I was complaining or whatever. And I want him to commiserate with me and yeah, tell me he did a bad job. He didn't go there, even though I wanted him to admit that he screwed it up, right? Because misery loves company. 
and I wanted somebody to blame, but there was a higher thing there that he started, not me, him, by saying that to me. That could have gone so differently. So I think a lot of the complaining aspect is we get stuck on the thing and we forget about the humans. And humans make mistakes on the regular all the time. Yeah. And there's choices. And they do. And if you're not perfect and they're not perfect, that's perfect. And, and there are choices. And I just want to point that out too. I don't, um, and I just want to say this to, to the listeners and viewers, Jill, that may think we're, we're saying you need to be okay with other people's mistakes and just accept them. We're not saying that either. You have choices all the time. There are times when as a customer or as a a manager or, or an employer, it's totally okay to say, do you know what? This is unacceptable. So it's, I mean, is it a complaint? It's a decision, right? So it's valuable for us to realize there are choices. Um, I think what we're talking about here in the midst of this, the, the bigger part of this episode is complaining that doesn't go anywhere. It's not that you could never have complaints. It's what are you doing about the complaints that you have, right? I've, I mean, we had a car once we delivered or we ordered and it was, we were, I was super specific about the features that I wanted and that isn't what they sent. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was very clear with the salesperson. I wanted this and I wanted this and I wanted this, and that's not on this car. I'm not taking it. And they were, they were upset. They were like, no, this is the serial number that we ordered for you. This is, and I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but these, I'm not paying for a brand new car that doesn't have the features that I that I specifically bought this brand for. And they were mad. They did want to make me happy, which was fine. I didn't complain a lot. I just said no. <laughs> so they had a choice whether to fight me on it or to just say, okay, I don't think she's going to relent. Because anyway, so that was an example. I wasn't trying to be bitchy. I was just setting up a boundary that you're asking me to pay for a car that with features that lack, it lacks the features I actually wanted to switch brands for. Um, So that's an example of, I wasn't trying to be bitchy. I was just being definitive. And I'm supportive of that too. We don't have to be a bitch with that. We don't have to make anybody miserable with that. We can accept things when it's worth it. And there are examples of time where we just say, okay, I'm just going to make this work. And I totally support people doing that. And then I think we're both supporting of individuals saying, actually, no, I'm sorry, I need you to fix it. We're not saying it has to be one or the other. We're just asking you to yeah. look out for you and be aware of the situation. It's, it's yeah, and, you know, in my case, this. in my case, it was, for me, it was very clear. It was a growth point, right? That, so that is what that felt like. I can mm-hmm. clearly, if I'm unattached, I can clearly, I know when, something that I'm unattached to. I say, you know what? That's not the car I ordered. Take it back. I can tell when there's a detachment in me and it's just a business transaction. This was not the case. I was invested in this. It was my parents' house. I was, you know, like it was, there was a lot more going on than just this stone. And And Jill, I wasn't even, I'm not not even talking about your stone anymore, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, but I guess the, the issue that, not the issue, but there are there are moments where I I knew I didn't like my the way I was behaving in that moment, right? So it's not just about decisions or people doing the right things. It's like I was not 
I was so upset with myself that I was becoming unhinged and I, I don't want to be that. And it wasn't worth it to me. That, that was the calculus, you know, that I, that I was doing. And that's why there was to me at that moment, like you say, there's a choice. And I had enough self-awareness to be like, this is not, yeah, there was just nothing, nothing about it that, that I liked. I didn't like my me. I didn't like, you know, and I wasn't going to sacrifice my me for a countertop or, or whatever. And I wasn't going to sacrifice the, the other person with me. So I guess this whole, as you've said before, this whole thing is just about don't be so flip with the complaining on the receiving end or the giving end. Don't just take it as the status quo or something like dive a little deeper into it. Make your assessments as to do you like yourself when you're doing this for starters, you know, and then ask and find your growth point in it if the answer is no. And there's so much there. And you you just you just don't disappoint yourself. You know, it's really kind of cool. Um, it's really kind of cool. I love it. I'm so glad we did this conversation. I want to talk more about your daughter because I can definitely relate to that, that um, it feels like an aside, but I'm glad you brought it up and maybe we do talk about it later, but I am one of those people that I thought so many different ways, wide, deep, high, low, right, left about an issue that when I do talk about it with somebody, they're, they haven't thought about it at all, maybe, or definitely not to the degree that I did. I'm a great, I'm really good at thinking. And I feel like yeah. your daughter is that way too. So maybe some strategies for individuals that are like that of, okay, what if I put all my ideas in some sort of documents or something, and then I hand it off to them and say, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but these are my ideas. Can we make, can you take a look at this? We make some time, get together. Let's poke holes in it. What am I missing? What are some better ideas that you have? Um, but doing that in a live situation where we may have put a lot of our good thoughts into it, it isn't, it, it isn't a, a satisfying conversation because some people in their brain just say, well, you've already thought all this through. I don't, I don't know what I can add. So I can totally relate to your daughter. Exactly. And look, it, it goes to the, it goes to the thing of engagement. You know, a lot of time complainers don't want you to speak. They don't want your engagement, right? They don't want your input. And I, I find that on a stage, they want to stage in a microphone. And, and, and that's why I find it offensive. And I would tell my husband, I'm like, if you need to complain to somebody, go look, go to the mirror, go, go, go vent to yourself in the mirror, you know, like, I'm just like, go do that. So there is something about it that is particularly non-engaged. And I guess that's why I segued off into that, you know, um, we have to engage people, but complainers don't want to do that. You know, there's a, there's an arm's distance and a sort of a, they're rejectors, you know, That's it's great. the, the help yeah. rejecting complainer, right? Maybe we should recommend that all the, all the professional complainers in our life start a podcast so they can just get it all out of their system. They can get themselves the microphone. They can pretend people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have I to be us. It's funny that it's just the end of this episode where I'm coming upon the help rejecting complainer, right? Because that's a, that's that's a thing. I think we've covered it. We just didn't label it. So beware for the help rejecting complainer. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> so brutal. Good. And I'm really I'm really cheering on those that have a profession 
where they feel like they're just like at the mercy of the latest complainer and that they feel like they don't have a choice in that. I'm just really championing you that um, it can, anyone that's complaining regularly to you, you have choices. You don't have to be the receptacle for another person's complaints, loved ones, friendships, um, clients, patients, whatever that is, you have choices. Yes. And, you know, I, I know we're, we should have wrapped up like an hour ago, but I, to that end, complainers don't talk about themselves. Typically they talk about other people. And if you want to engage a complainer, what I did as a therapist would say, there are only two people here. It's me and it's you. I can't fix someone else. So we're not going to talk about someone else. And it helps the person talk about themselves and stay in topic. And it's actually very hard, but it's a really good thing. If you have a complainer and there's, they're complaining about a third party, cut that third party out and just talk, discuss how we're talking about you. We're talking about you. We're talking about your life. We're talking about the opportunities you have. Yeah. And it does really good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It does. All right. I think it's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. Love you so much, Jill. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'm glad we talked about this topic. I, yeah, I think we covered it from a lot of different, a lot of different angles and I really like them and yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Jill. It's a wrap. Love you.